Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to another awesome episode of Tripping Up, your favorite comedy travel podcast. And probably the only one, because I think we're still the only one out there. <laughs> I'm your host, Nina Clapperton, here to share with you in a special Christmas episode. Um, you'll hear my dog snoring through this. You'll note that there's um, kind of an aura of winter and Christmas around. I don't know. I've been locked up in a cabin in Canada. Things are getting a little bit crazy in my head. But I hope you're just as excited as I am to launch into this very special episode where we'll be counting down the 12 odd souvenirs of Christmas. How are we going to do that when we've only had 10 episodes? Well, I'm going to throw in two of my own souvenirs that you guys have never heard of before. So listen up and you'll get to hear some of our amazing guests from 2020 and some of my souvenirs that have been a little unexpected. And don't worry, I'm not going to be bringing up that snow globe collection I used to have. So without further ado, let's launch into a very merry Christmas episode with Tripping Up. Now boarding. That was amazing. Um, I have another question for you now. Uh, is there a weird or odd souvenir that you've picked up in your travels that stuck with you? I, I had to think about that. I picked up a few odd things, but but probably the the, the oddest thing I, I picked up is that um, we did uh, horse trips in the Spanish Pyrenees for a while. Very interesting place. Good friend of ours had lived in an old um, Romanist uh, 13th century town up in the Pyrenees against the French border. And said, "Hey, let's let's go on a on a horse trip. Let me take you through the Pyrenees on old Roman roads and show you some old uh, wow. abandoned Roman thing." So, well, what? Of course, we have to poke around a bit. So we route through some some old ruins there, and we come up with a whole cache of, of weapons from the Spanish Civil War. Oh my goodness. And so I find a, um, a a classic World War One German potato masher hand grenade. Oh my God. It had been burned. So there was no, no live uh, explosives in it. It was just a, just the shell. But I remember bringing that home and, and taking that through, through customs. 
I'm sure they loved that you were bringing weaponry through. <laughs> the poor customs guy had no idea what it was. So I said, oh, oh this is just a, a piece of a, a, a truck axle, an old truck axle I like to bring through. And <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably the most unusual thing that I've brought home over the years. So Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard to top anything that would like get you banned from flying now. <laughs> like, we've had a couple other people with uh, weapons that have come on the show and you just, yeah, it's lucky that they traveled when they did or else you wouldn't get away with it now. <laughs> Yeah. So you've talked a lot about kind of things that you've taken away as in more of an internal sense. So our next question usually, which I'm sure will be very interesting for you, is things that you've physically taken away from places. So souvenirs that are weird or odd, or maybe other people think are weird, even if you think they're normal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can think of three things that come straight to mind. Go for it. <laughs> um, yeah. On my first visit to China, uh, I mean, I was very fortunate uh, to go to China before it became commercial. So I'm talking about late 80s. I think I must have been one of the first few um, uh, tourists. Well, I was there for uh, meetings, but tourists to go there. And um, yeah. I remember bringing back a six-foot stuffed panda. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, still, I've still got it. I got it for my children. Um, and it was six-foot, a sitting panda, and it was stuffed. And yeah, it was great fun trying to sort of um, uh, ferry that back. Uh, and then, then there was a, oh God, in Mombasa, in Kenya, uh, I exchanged my colleague's Aston Villa socks uh, for a six foot wooden uh, giraffe. Okay. <laughs> Are you always collecting giant animals? Is that a trend? No, not necessarily. <laughs> just, <laughs> just I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, that had to travel with me in the uh, in the uh, aircraft. Uh, that unfortunately <laughs> has sort of uh, broke at some stage. <laughs> uh, but it was great fun because I think the stewardesses found it incredibly funny. But yeah, it was mm -hmm. fun to try and push that through um, the scanners at, uh, <laughs> at the transit airport. Um, and then the last one, I think, was from Afghanistan. I mean, that was, um, uh, I was an honored guest. So they decided to give me a bejeweled uh, pistol, you know, as an wow. uh, uh, antique pistol. Yeah, try getting that through customs, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, post 9-11. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got caught at the first thing and they made me put it away. Uh, you know, uh, I managed to get my way through the first sort of checkpoint. And then I realized that instead of leaving it this way, you know, sorry, flat, if I turned it upright yeah. and made sure that that was the way it went through um, uh, the scanner, it wouldn't be noticed. Yeah, so please don't <laughs> tell anybody, but I smuggled, <laughs> smuggled a, a, a antique. Look, it was, it was D, uh, it wasn't working. It wouldn't work. It was an yeah. antique, okay? But, so I don't feel guilty about it, but um, uh, it's just, uh, it was just an interesting story, you know? It, 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 was, yeah. it was wooden, and it had a lot of pearls in it. You know, it was quite ornate, you know? Uh, do you still have it? I do, actually. I do have it. I, I keep meaning to have it sort of mounted and put up on my wall somewhere, but I've never really, yeah. never seemed to get around to it. <laughs> 
Well, maybe that can be your new like COVID project is to try and figure it out yourself. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. And speaking of unique things, I'd love for you to share with us your odd, unique, weird souvenir. Okay, I would love to. And I also need to preface that this is a gift for someone else. And I'm not, you know, I'm talking about selflessness and humanity, but I wish I kept this. (laughs) But basically, so I'm not someone who always, who has a collection that I'm always updating. I wish I did. And maybe before I went to 42 countries in two years, like maybe if I'd had that. Yeah. But so as a result, I'm sort of just like vibing with whatever I see. And scrapbooking, highly recommend scrapbooking as a COVID activity when you're stuck at home. I'm like, well, you know, I don't have anything, but I took Instagrams. But so my dad, he collects swords. I think it's an awesome collection from all over the world. And so he has little plaques for where the swords are from. So we are in in, um, Jordan. And my dad buys this huge sword. I guess you won't be able to see the video, but I would say this, I would say the sword is like, I don't know. 36 inches long, longer. And I get a little machete. That's probably, you know, the size, like the size of a ruler. Mm-hmm. And I get it engraved with the name John. Cause that was my boyfriend's at the time in Arabic. So we're going through, we're at this checkpoint going in from Jordan to Palestine. My dad goes before me in with his like LL bean tote bag. Those things are very durable, by the way. I still use oh, them. Yeah. And he just slides through the sword goes undetected. I go after him. And meanwhile, like, I'm not recommending smuggling weapons in general, but like I had tucked away the sole machete. Suddenly all of the alarms go off mm-hmm. and the man, and people are so polite there. This man is like, miss, are you carrying a weapon? Which like, this is a very like contentious border, like going in from Jordan to Palestine. And I was like, no, sir. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he was like, okay, miss, I'm sorry. I'm going to need you to search your bag. Which is, so I look over I'm brought over to like, you know, this corner and I look over at my parents and they're smoking hookah, drinking tea with my sister acting like they don't know me. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm in this alone. And there's so much, like the guard was too polite to rummage through my stuff. So I had to rummage through my stuff. So there's like a bathing suit from the Dead Sea. He's blushing, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'll be fine. He's too, he's too bashful to go all the way through this bag. So I'm like, oh, I can't find it. And then he like lifts up my shoe, my little shoe bag. Yeah. And withdraws the dagger and is like, miss, is this it? And I was like, oh, yes, actually. I'm so sorry. I forgot I had it. And he's like, it's okay. Like, I have to take you somewhere, though. Mm-hmm. So, like, my parents are, like, waving by. Like, literally, they're going to get to Palestine if I don't. We're walking through the desert. Just to give you some scale, like, we've taken a three-hour bus from the city of Amman, the capital of Jordan, into, like, the middle of the desert. And then we're going to get another bus to go to Palestine. And I, there's this glass, we've gone, the checkpoint was probably like the size, it looked like a cafe, it was very small, but then there's this huge all glass building right next to it, I guess the security headquarters. So he leads me into this room of all glass and there's a guy, a decorated military official with his feet up on the desk, surrounded by probably 12 or 13 other, you know, Jordanian soldiers or Jordanian guards, some of them smoking, everyone's cackling. And my guard, the guard hands the official the sword and says something in Arabic. And then the man, the like the, the head security, like unsheaths the dagger and is waving it around and is like, John, who is John? And I was like, John is my boyfriend. I'm so sorry. And he was like, puts back and he goes, John is a lucky man. And just hands <laughs> me the sword. And I took it. And I was able, and I literally... 
I was able to take it. Israel was much more stressful, but I was checking a bag. That's definitely the weirdest souvenir. But it's funny because I actually saw this, this guy recently and he was on a cross country trip to California. And I was telling the story to some of his friends and he ran upstairs and brought back down the sword. Oh my so I'm goodness. like, okay, good. You can be a steward for it. <laughs> that was definitely the craziest, definitely the craziest souvenir. I've, you know, I, I was saying swords are a good collector collection, but you know, maybe in hindsight, maybe in hindsight, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe like photos of swords is a better collection. This is bizarre, but it's stones. So there, there, there's something okay. that I found the other day um, that was picked up on one of my horse rides, I think um, in the robber's roost country. These little things are actually from the ride. These are what we call stones. So that when you're on the back of a horse and you run out of water, you don't dry up with your throat. Oh, yeah. interesting. I didn't know about and that. And then when you go to classic places, because you like to look at all these things and you see films, you know, like Gladiator, you pick up a little bit of something from Pompeii. Ah, yes. <laughs> so I've got a bit of Vesuvius sort of here. Um, wow. But, um, hopefully the rest of it won't follow after our, um, our, our, <laughs> our time on here. Yeah, there's little things like that. And um, some of the things that I've kept from many years ago, we in Montana, we were not far away from a very famous outlaws um, stronghold uh, near the Canadian line, funnily enough. And we met a, met a young boy and he came out all dressed up in his cowboy stuff, which is very <laughs> fitting. And he gave me a, a, just an ordinary coin, which was um, a dime or a nickel. Oh, and on yeah. there, you can see the horseman in 1999. And he said, that's wow. for you. Because you're riding through my, my, my ranch and, and I want you to have this as a lucky coin. So I've kept it all these years. That's amazing. Strange little things, but that's, you know, people pick up stuff from from their travels everywhere everyone's got their own little story and they become kind of memory triggers for yeah. certain things do you display them anywhere or do you keep them kind of tucked away for yourself i just keep them in a box <laughs> because um the danger of finding a little bourbon and moving things around <laughs> uh, at my age um i mean even using zoom i mean you can become very forgetful <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I tend to keep things in in one safe place now otherwise it's um it's a long weekend hunting stuff up i mean i'm i'm only 25 and i i have that exact same issue so i don't think it's necessarily an age thing maybe it's a having outlaw ancestors thing as we've discovered <laughs> Unfortunately, I haven't collected any weapons during my travel or I mean, like I thought that was fortunate, but I'm realizing now that like everyone has been collecting them. So I guess I'm a bit behind the times. Um, but my first weird travel souvenir actually comes from Morocco. Uh, when I went to uh, visit Morocco during my eight months in Europe, um, kind of ditched Europe for a minute, ducked down in Morocco, got my first taste of Africa, which I'd been dying for. And my mom and I went on this market tour where we learned how to cook authentic Moroccan food. And this tour guide took us to the market and took us to this amazing little like hole in the wall spice shop that I kid you not had like every type of tea you've ever heard of. And then another 10,000 you've never heard of before. So it was absolutely amazing and we're going through and he's introducing me to rose tea and um, I learned about African cinnamon which is 
apparently a different type of cinnamon. I don't know. Who knows? I didn't know there was more than one type of cinnamon. Um, but then he comes to the beauty section and I didn't really consider, um, different beauty standards. I mean, coming from the Western world, we're pretty set with like our Mac lipstick, our like, um, Estee Lauder, the Bay, like wherever you're getting your mascara. Um, and so he's taking us through all these really interesting things. And the one that sticks out to me most that I ended up like he gifted it to me and I took it home and kept it for far too long um, as someone who doesn't wear lipstick or keep souvenirs. But it was this clay um, kind of it looked it almost looked like the lid to a jar. If you think of like a teapot lid, but the handle was kind of extended that way you could hold it um, with multiple fingers if you needed to. Um, and kind of you could hold it even in your fist, I guess, if you had to. But what it was is it was like this beautiful orange terracotta color. But when you got it wet, especially around the rim and like the inside of the lid area, um, naturally it had this pigment that was kind of a like deep rose color that was absolutely beautiful. And so what you do is you get it wet with and then rub your finger in it and then you'd apply that to your lips. And it was actually a lipstick. And so it was this natural occurring lipstick that um, was very commonly used by Moroccan women that was. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Kind of mind-blowing to me and it was a nightmare to try and bring home without getting it wet and without um, getting everything in my suitcase. Well, actually, I sent it home with my mom. So without getting everything in her suitcase <laughs> covered in this lipstick that I had no idea if it would even come off. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, it was definitely one of those unique souvenirs that 
I never would have thought I'd buy any sort of lipstick abroad, much less this like incredible natural lipstick that looked like a pot lid, <laughs> a teapot lid that like, then I, I didn't even know where to put it. I ended up throwing it out a couple of years later because I assumed that like most other lipsticks, you're not supposed to keep them for eternity. Um, that and I, I don't actually wear lipstick, which I think is what makes it the weirdest thing of all. <laughs> Since you've had some unique travel experiences, I'm sure you've picked up a weird souvenir over the years. Yeah, actually, that that one, probably the, the weirdest souvenir was a half rack of deer antlers that wow. I liberated from an old decrepit uh, shed in, in a field somewhere on the eastern shore of Nova Scotia. And I kind of, I hemmed and hawed about taking it because I it wasn't mine to take, but it looked like this place was was pretty much completely abandoned. So I took half the, half the antler uh, rack of antlers down and, and affixed them to my bicycle and, uh, use those as my sort of my headlamp for the rest of the trip. So now I still, I have the half rack of antlers on my riding shed out back now. Oh, wow. Inside or on the outside? On, on the outside, just above the door. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's really funny how many people have like an animal souvenir as well. Um, yeah. it, I've never considered animal souvenir parts of souvenirs, I guess. I don't know. Um, but it must yeah. have, like, how did you affix it to the bike? Cause you would have had to like tie it or bungee cord it or something. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, before I got it off the, off the shed, I, it was nailed in there. So I, I, when I was pulling it down, I almost poked my eyes out for one. So then after that, I thought I got to make sure this is safe because it's super sharp. But I, the key thing I brought on that, on that trip were uh, zip ties. So I zip tied it to the, the front of my handlebars and, and got it really tight. So it was just sitting there. That's a great like secret tip. I've never thought to bring zip ties while traveling, but that's, that's so smart. I'm going to have to start packing them now. <laughs> I'll look yeah. like a bit of a serial killer or something with them in my luggage, but <laughs> I'm sure well, it'll be fine. I mean, everybody says duct tape is number one. That also makes you look a bit like a serial killer. So why not add zip ties, right? That's true. Just go like full hog into it. Just like <laughs> have a like little hunting knife ready to go. And then just be prepared to answer some questions for some Mounties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you picked up any weird travel souvenirs on your trips? Well... Not really, other than a very large grapefruit-sized lump on my thigh and uh, schistosomiasis when I came back the first time. At least I didn't get AIDS, so that was good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I got a couple of gifts. I guess my favourite gift was a patient came uh, on my doorstep, a very large sack. So he'd come in and he was very, very anemic, so anemic he'd gone into heart failure. And uh, so he brought me this gift and he tipped the sack out and it was just an enormous rat. Oh, God, I <laughs> my foot. So, uh, very good, very good. They're cutting grass, they're known as. So, um, they said it was very good, very sweet. Uh, I wasn't terribly keen. Actually, I said he shouldn't have really given it to me. He should have given it to the hospital administrator, who was an Irishman called Nat, because um, he was the one who actually donated the blood. So, but, uh, that was very rude of me, refusing what was a lovely gift from his point of view. And I'm, if I remember correctly, in the book, you refer, he referred to it as beef, which I think must have really be, well, thrown you off. beef, yes. Oh, so okay. everything's beef. So anything that is walking is beef. So uh, you might be foul if you're a chicken. <laughs> oh, but, uh, 
it's beef if it's walking because I've never seen a cow. He said, you want beef? And I said, well, um, well, I hadn't seen a cow, so I was quite interested to see what beef <laughs> was. But um, yes, the beef comes most days. Oh, goodness. I mean, that must be impossible if you try to go there. And like, I don't eat beef, I eat other meat. So I would just, I mean, I guess I'd be okay because I don't have beef, but they have everything else. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you wanted, if you wanted something to eat, they would occasionally um, kill a pig. So what they would do, because obviously there's no refrigeration, they would go around to everybody in the village with a clipboard and ask you which bit of pig you wanted. And when they had enough orders for a pig, they would they would kill the pig and you would have the bit you wanted because then you'd obviously have to cook it and eat it fairly fairly straight away. I mean, it seems like a great method, though, for, like, ensuring well, I everything's think so. used. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. And I had, I had a chicken called Chicken Tika. Yes. And um, <laughs> she had um, she had poppadons. She had six little poppadons. And <laughs> as, they, um, <laughs> as they grew up, no one was interested in stealing them, you see, when they were little, but as they grew up, and once the, the boy started to cock-a-doodle-doo, so they had to learn how to learn how to cock-a-doodle-doo and um, as soon as they got the focus they as soon as they learned how to fully cock-a-doodle-doo they vanished so oh, they were now no. big enough to be to be pinched so um anyway <laughs> well i mean Quick must run have... down on the um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is a weird souvenir that you have picked up along your travels that stuck with you Oh, golly, I had to think about this one, but I think the most weird or perhaps the most grisly or the most interesting was in Bolivia, in the Andes. And I was on a journey to the point furthest from the center of the earth at the millennium, wow. uh, which is the story told in my, one of the stories told in my book, Soft Courage. And um, we were going up to Lake Titicaca and it's a very sacred lake right on the uh, border with Peru and the Bolivians have um, many stalls around and a lot of them have got interesting things and one of them was um, a, a whole pile of dried llama fetuses oh. and the, 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 which is you know the sort of thing one tends to carry in one's back pocket <laughs> um, and the idea is that it's a very sacred lucky item not sure it's very lucky for the llama, but the Bolivians have a long tradition of putting dried llama fetuses in their um, the foundations of the house when they're making the wow. house. You know, you know that the llamas, the like the alpaca. Yeah. Um, so the, the the idea is when one needs to visit um, Lake Titicaca, you've got to take a a present, a gift for Pachamama. Or for, for Mother Earth. So we um, really um, were wondering whether to collect um, dried llama fetuses, which is the, <laughs> the traditional thing to do. They, it doesn't sound very, very British. Um, <laughs> but um, it's important, I think, when traveling to kind of uh, be in tune and harmony with what the indigenous peoples and the, the people of the land you're in are, are expressing and, and what works for them. So um, that was that was the thing to set off and chuck into Lake Titicaca, which is one of the highest lakes on, on, on the planet, um, as, as, a, as a gift, as an offering to, to Pachamama. And um, actually in the event, my boyfriend decided that his offering of his most precious thing, which was the alternative of, of doing a dried llama feature, was just um, something, his most precious thing. So he decided to make me, me as an offering anyway. 
I mean, I, I, I think it's amazing that you were equated to a dried llama fetus in terms Thank of... Thank you very much. Like, <laughs> sacredness. <laughs> so what's a weird travel souvenir that you've picked up over the years? Well, my partner and I are not huge travel souvenir people. Um, I used to be more of a travel souvenir person before I met him, but... There gets to a certain point where you have enough stuff. However, early on in our relationship, we went to South Africa a few times. And the first time we went to South Africa, we met up with um, a friend in Cape. My brother was living there, but then we met up with another friend who was living in Cape Town. And she took us out with her running group on Table Mountain. And one of the sort of crazy leaders of the running group was this guy, Arnie. And then he decided he had to take us to some shop in Cape Town, where we ended up buying this big, like, you know, the size of a 30-pound dog, um, warthog, fashioned of kind of rusted um, lug nuts and bits of scrap iron and steel from cars and trucks. So... It's got like these tusks that are wildly dangerous uh, and ears that are also extremely sharp. And it was pre 9-11. So uh, I, I was going to say, how did you get that back? <laughs> when we got to the airport with it, the people at the check-in desk said, that's too dangerous to put underneath the plane. You need to take it on the plane. You. <laughs> we literally took this thing on the, that was like a weapon extraordinaire and just put it up in the overhead bin with like tiny amounts of bubble wrap. I mean, that thing, we had it in our living room for a while. And then, and then really like too many people kind of punctured themselves at parties or at gatherings. So now we have it out on our, um, you know, tiny little Juliet balcony here, where actually I think he just belongs. He just looks, he overlooks Riverside Park. He's adorable out there and he's very safe. We're all yeah. safe from him and he's safe. <laughs> but I, think, I think that's kind of cool too, because he's that mix of like nature and industrial that is New York at this point. Yes. Yes. He is definitely that. And I like his kind of reclaimed I like the reclaimed, recycled feel of him. And then, um, and then he also always reminds me of an absolutely fabulous run we did with this group of people um, in Cape Town. And I'm sure with all the amazing travels you did that you've picked up an odd souvenir. And we'd love to hear about your weirdest souvenir that you've collected. Okay. Um, I... I like the term collected because I really yeah. like collecting. I became um, sort of a crazed shell hunter when we went off sailing. And I, you know, because I love the natural world, I love finding natural souvenirs. So I would beach comb for hours and hours. And when we were in the Pacific, particularly in New Caledonia, um, you can find um, Nautilus shells in New Caledonia. Oh. And I became obsessed with wanting to find one, but they're very, very difficult to find. Uh, you find broken pieces of them all the time, but to find a whole one was, well, virtually impossible. And I didn't find one there. I bought one there because I thought, well, I, I need 
I need to have one. So I did buy one in a market there. But it wasn't until several years later when we were off the west coast of Sumatra. And we were in that area because my husband loves to surf. And we had gotten in our dinghy and we were going to go and sort of scope out some surfing areas for him. And we were just flying along in this really calm water. And we went whizzing past this thing in the water. And it just caught my eye and it caught my husband's eye. I thought it was a baseball cap floating in the water. Okay. And we both looked at each other like, what's that? And uh, he did a big circle back around the dinghy and he stuck his hand in the water and he scooped out this thing and it was a perfect Nautilus shell. Oh my goodness. It was unbelievable. It was floating there. It was, so we found it absolutely naturally. Um, It's about six inches across. It's huge. And can you describe the shell for our readers who don't know what a Nautilus is? Okay. A Nautilus is one of those, um, it's like a spiral shaped shell. It's, um, how, what are they called? They're, um, it's a mollusk, I guess is the right term for it. And a cephalopod is the other right term for it. But they typically live very deep in the ocean. So they have been found up to 700 meters deep. So wow. they're a pelagic species that is not normally at the surface. So the shells, I believe, rise to the surface when the animal dies. And the shell might rise up to the surface and float around and then eventually wind up on a shoreline somewhere. So they're the ones that you might see, um, they're called chambered nautilus shells. So sometimes they're cut in half and you can see all the beautiful chambers inside. And they're quite rare to find. So it was really just a fantastic thing to to find and find it in its natural environment. And, you know, I'd put so many hours into looking for one and to just come across one like that was just wonderful. So that's That's amazing. Yeah, it's one of my prized possessions, honestly. And it was almost exactly the same size as the one I had purchased. So the two of them look quite beautiful sitting on a shelf together. And so are you using them as like bookends now or how are you displaying them? I'm just setting them. They're just sitting uh, on a shelf that's underneath our our, um, television. It's on the... And it, nice. they're, they're quite fragile. So they're not, uh, they're no good for holding books up because they oh, just okay. get <laughs> But yeah, they just, they're just beautiful to look at, I think. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's so nice that it did kind of come to you when it was ready to come to you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I always hesitate buying um, natural items in a market because I, I don't like to think that they've been, um, you know, harvested in a way that they shouldn't have. So uh, I was so pleased to get one that was just naturally out there floating around waiting for us. Yeah. I mean, it definitely kind of caps off like a perfect little trip and I think it, I don't know, I've become more spiritual as the podcast has gone on and I've heard a lot of these like things coming to you at the right time stories. So it does feel like, I don't know, travel really puts you in touch with that and gets you in the right spot and then shows you that you're in the right spot with these lovely little gifts. I, I, not a weird one for my travels from Everest. These are the two things that I've got. And um, I'm just trying to find where's the one. I will show you these actually because I've never taken these off actually. That that is you see the red yes. one that well, you can see that it's red like one. a red string around your neck for the listeners. The red string, yeah, that was given to me by a Buddhist monk. Wow! And Everest has a a, a god living on it called Chumalunga. It's the 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 god of the Everest mountain. They believe, and when you walk on Everest, you're upsetting Chumalunga. So they give you this red uh, string they tie it around your neck, and it's to protect you. And I was told. Uh, you, you mustn't take this off 
it must naturally break. If you take it off, it's bad luck. Okay. And I'm not a superstitious person. I don't really believe in all. I don't, I don't know whether I believe it. I don't believe it. But you go into the mountain and you think, well, it, you know, it can't yeah. hurt. Can it? <laughs> and I've never taken it off since. Actually, I've worn over. It won't actually come off. It won't get over my head. So I've left it on. And it will eventually break. But it's that's a little souvenir actually that I carried to the, uh, the summit. I thought it'd be nice to have something. It's just a pendant. It doesn't mean anything to do. Yeah. I thought it'd be nice to have something that has been to the summit of Everest. So I carried two. I gave one to my daughter and I kept the other. No, no, I haven't taken that off either, actually. I just wear that. I know it's just crazy things, isn't it? But that's, uh, you know, I've been fine ever since. So whether the red, <laughs> whether the red string does any good, I don't know. But they do. They chant a lot of stuff and then they sort of pull you towards them and you sort of crash heads together and they tie the string on. It's like, rah, you know, and that was uh, and that was it. But I don't know. I'm not superstitious, but I thought, why not? I mean, good luck is good luck. Whatever you can take, as long as it's not like you have to sacrifice your first bone on the top of the mountain or something. Might as well go for it. <laughs> yeah, no, there was nothing as weird as that, actually. We, we, had a, we had a puja ceremony where they, they put sort of hair on your, on your lip and they do chanting. And, and um, again, it's a Buddhist ceremony. I didn't understand any of it, but we all sat there and we did this puja ceremony. And that's part of the process of climbing the mountain. You have these puja ceremonies before you go for the summit. And um, the, the Sherpas very much believe in it and, it and it helps and guides them. So I'm happy to get involved. Yeah. You know? We've reached the last day of the 12 Days of Souvenirs countdown. Uh, we're at my final souvenir. So this souvenir comes from Iceland. And it was actually a trip I took with my mom and my stepdad and my step-siblings. And I'm just realizing that all of my weird souvenirs come when I'm traveling with other people. I think because I'm able to spend their money <laughs> and it's not mine, um, which is not a great reflection on me as a person. But yeah, we were in Iceland um, on this incredible tour. Iceland is one of my favorite places in the world, definitely in the top three. It's absolutely fascinating and such a cool place. And while we were there, I kind of, I don't know if it was like I was just getting into Pinterest or something, but I had seen somewhere about getting a, an authentic alcohol bottle and filling it with sand. And Iceland is known for their kind of like black beautiful volcanic sand. And at that point in my life, I'd never seen that before. So I was really interested in getting that and being able to create this souvenir. And back then, like I was a hoarder, I was a total clutter freak. Um, so I assumed I would display this with all of my other knickknacks from around the world and my ill-fated snow globes collection. Um, so I, I ended up getting the sand. I put it in a giant Ziploc bag with my stepsister. I don't really know where we got the Ziploc bag. Um, but yeah, it was like, I think you could fit like most of your forearm in there. And I don't know how one exists that was that long. It was really ridiculous. So we put sand in there. And then um, our tour guide, whose name I believe was Arnie, because I think it's such a cute name. And I think that's why I remember it, even though it's been almost a decade since we went there. Um, he told us about this unique um Icelandic alcohol and I've since learned that like most countries in the world do have like their own vodka moonshine equivalent sort of thing like a clear alcohol that burns and like will disinfect you and potentially peel your skin off um in Serbia Slivovica, which is um something my family is very fond of and that brings tears to my eyes every time um I cannot even attempt to pronounce the Icelandic one 
but it's a clear liquid that comes in a green bottle, um, like, like a green glass bottle. And it looks like a vodka bottle. Um, and I, I didn't even like attempt to drink it. I'll be honest. I thought I was going to, I think I was about 18 at the time. So I guess I thought that this would be like a thing I need to try. I'm not really sure. Um, but I was told it tastes really bad. So I was kind of afraid to try it to be honest. So, but I got like one of those like mini sizes that you would get on an airplane. I didn't bother getting a big bottle. Um, probably cause I was technically underage when I came back to Canada with it. Um, but so I got this little bottle and I got my sand and I intended to come back to Canada. I don't know, chug this drink, which I, I'm going to attempt to say it, I guess. Um, because I'm worried that if I don't, people are going to request it. So we'll see how this goes. Um, I believe it's pronounced Brenevin, 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 I don't know. It's a type of schnapps apparently, but I'm going to be honest. It did not smell like schnapps, like any schnapps I've ever heard of before in my life. Um, and I ended up, I put it on my shelf and I think cause I was such a hoarder, I just left it for, Oh, now the dogs are jingling their bells. It's a special Christmas episode. It's jingled. It's great. <laughs> um, but I left it on my bookshelf and I only found it a f like recently, a couple of years ago when I was, I got back from Europe and was decluttering because I threw, I threw away and donated so many things. Um, and I found it and I was like, oh my goodness, I never did anything with it. And the sand had basically turned to mush it by that point it did not look safe to be anywhere near um it's horrible that that was sitting on like in my room for so long um and I'd never opened the bottle and to this day and I never tried it I decided that if I'm gonna try the alcohol I'll do it in Iceland although I don't really consume much alcohol anymore um so I think the oddest bit about the souvenir is that like it kind of was able to ferment on my bookshelf for nearly a decade. Um, and that, I don't know, it kind of launched my interest in Pinterest and DIY and then showed how terrible I am at follow through with either of those things. <laughs> Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day. Oh, that's it. That's all the souvenirs we've got. 2020 is ending with the 12 souvenirs of Christmas. I'd love to know more about your souvenirs. If you've got a weird or odd travel souvenir, then let me know. Uh, post it in a comment in our social media, send us a private message, or email me at trippinguppod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. And let me know, because I'd love to hear about more weird things that people have collected that aren't snow globes. <laughs> um, Tripping Up will be going on a hiatus for January. We'll be back with episodes in February. That gives me some time to record, some time to move, some time to deal with all the craziness of the world. Um, and hopefully to push us a little bit closer to when travel will be possible again. So without further ado, I hope you have a very happy holidays and that you've enjoyed your Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Um, I know I'm lucky enough to celebrate two Christmases because I'm part Russian Orthodox. Um, but I hope you guys have a really great time with your family, that you stay safe, stay healthy, and just have some fun. And if that's listening to funny travel souvenirs, then 
you've accomplished it. So have a very happy end of 2020 and let's look forward to a brighter 2021. Safe travels. Cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.